Welcome to the Faith Dialogue Podcast with your host, Pastor Ken Baer. Are you ready to swim in the deep end of the Bible pool or climb to the top of Faith Mountain? If so, open the eyes that see, those ears that hear, and a heart that is receptive. Get your cup of coffee and your Bible as we begin. to our Sunday service, and we are in the epistle of James, epistle of James, and if you remember, this is one of the first epistles that were written in the church. Uh, James is the head of the church in, in Jerusalem, and he's writing to the scattered church. This is after persecution had broken out, because, basically because of Paul, because of Paul and, and Herod. Herod had come, and he actually killed James, the, the brother of John, and the church became uh, scattered. They scattered all over the place. So James is writing a letter to the church. It's a very practical letter. And if you remember last week, we had a very timely message. It was called, Where Do Wars Come From? Remember that? Where do wars come from? And um, we said that that he was writing to the heads of state, he was writing to those that were in charge, maybe even uh, heads of churches, for example, and he said, all too often, uh, we're filled with pride. Instead of the wisdom that comes from above, we ended up taking the wisdom that comes from the earth, that's sensual, that's earthy, that's demonic. And he was rebuking those for where their source of wisdom was, and primarily because of, of pride. We found that those people were living selfish lives rather than selfless lives. They, they were, their lusts were motivating their actions. Well, today we're going to turn the tables a little bit because my topic for today <coughs> excuse me, is submit to God. And I want to let you know that James is not writing to the leaders. He's writing to the church. He's writing to people like you and me. And he wants you to submit to God. He finds that all too often, we also have the same problems with pride. We still have the same problems with not submitting to God, to still being selfish in our motivation. Uh, and we're not, we're not living selflessly, we're living selfishly. So James is going to be very direct. He's a very direct known uh, person. You know, I'm from, I'm from Michigan, and I spend a lot of time on the south side of Chicago as well. And for those of you that know the Midwest, we're direct people. Uh, we, we're, not, uh, we're not diplomatic in our speech. I remember uh, early in my career at Ford Motor Company, I was promoted to be a first-level supervisor, and I had eight or nine different people working for me as a supervisor. And my boss came to me, he was a manager, and he was very pleased with my punctuality that I was there, that I was learning a lot of things, that was very energetic, and I knew a lot, of, especially since I'd only been there for a short time. But he said, could you be a little bit more diplomatic when you're talking to your, to your staff. Just be a, a little bit diplomatic. You're a little bit too direct. And I got to tell you, I, I tried, but I failed. I, I mean, I, I just, I'm just not a diplomatic person. You know, the, the thing is, to, to me, uh, directness is clarity. It, 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 it takes out all the nonsense, and it gets right to the bottom line. It avoids confusion. I appreciate people that want to be diplomatic, but all too, too often, if you're being diplomatic, you just tell me what you want. Well, James doesn't have that problem. I think James would have the same problem with, with my boss, is that he's not diplomatic. He's very, very direct. Um, he's not soft. He's not agreeable. Uh, but James, remember, is calling the church to salvation. That's what he's doing. This message today is basically about submitting to God, meaning turning away from evil and turning instead to, to God. And the church needs that. You know, every pastor knows that, that in the hearing of the message, and James knew this too, 
James was speaking to the, to the church, and he knew, just like we know, that there's sometimes people that hear our message that are really not there yet. You know, they've, they've been going to church for a while, and they understand that they sing the songs, but they haven't truly submitted to God. And James is talking to those people. Now, remember the people that James is talking to. This is the first century. This is only 20 years, 15 to 20 years after Jesus was crucified on the cross. There's people in this audience that knew Jesus. They could have been there at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came. They could have been there when 3,000 people were added and they kind of came along with them. Some of them maybe had met Jesus in his earthly ministry. Maybe they heard of this amazing preacher from Nazareth, this Jesus the Nazarene, and they heard about him and they're still following him, but they haven't truly submitted to God. They still need to repent. They still need to be saved. You know, that's why our text tells us to draw near. It's a very direct text. It's, it's talking about coming to salvation. Now, if this message was needed for the church when James penned it, it's needed now. It's needed now more than, than ever. James is aware, just as we're aware, that there's people that call themselves Christians and they know who Jesus is, but they're not known by Jesus. They don't really, they haven't fully embraced what it means to turn from a life of sin to God. And James is going to take us through that today, understanding what it means to truly submit to God. Now, last week, our message was, uh, was uh, where do wars come from? And we ended last week's message with verse 6. It's not in your bulletin, but I'll just tell you what it said. It says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Remember that? God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. He was actually quoting a psalm, psalm uh, I'm sorry, a proverb, Proverbs 3, which says, surely he scorns the scornful but gives grace to the humble. James was one of the very first, if not the very first letter in the New Testament, and the apostle Peter actually quotes James. The scholars believe that Peter quoted James in 1 Peter chapter 5, where Peter says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. You see, we've been spending a few weeks on pride, and now we're going to find out why. See, God resists the proud, so you need to humble yourself before God in order for the fullness of what it means to truly know Jesus to come to, to pass. So we'll turn to our scripture today. We'll be reading James chapter 4, verses 7 through 10, just four verses. And again, the title of my message is Submit to God. Verse 7 says this, Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Pretty direct, isn't it? Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Like I said, James doesn't have any problem being direct. He's not going around the edges. He's not being diplomatic at all. He's, he's being very direct. You know, as, as I was digging into this passage, trying to get the inspiration, trying to have the Lord speak to me on what I should, should talk on this, um, I consult commentaries and I consult other preachers that are out there and to find out what they had to say. And I found that one of the common ways that pastors approach this scripture is they talk about the Ten Commandments of James, okay? So if you take a look, if you, you, count, you can count at least ten, probably 13 or 14 different directives 
Remember, these are directives, not so much commands. I'm going to stick with the Ten Commandments. I figure that's enough. But he's being very direct. So there's at least 13, 14 directives in here telling Christians, people that say that they believe in Jesus Christ, what they need to do. He's calling them to repentance. So instead of using the Ten Commandments of James, I figured I'm going to stick with a different, different strategy. And I'm going to focus on one word. And that word is therefore. Therefore. You see, I was told a long time ago, and I think I've repeated it to you, that when, you come, when you're reading your Bible and you come to a therefore, stop and find out what it's there for. I mean, that's the idea. of it. It's really simple to understand, right? If you see a therefore, stop. Find out what it's there for. You see, therefore means that something preceding that, okay, needs to be fulfilled. Because of something we've written before, this is the cause of action. This is what the Lord wants you to do. Um, so, therefore, introduces a, a logical conclusion to what was stated before. It's a consequence of what was previously stated. For those of you that like math or maybe you understand computers, we use if-then statements often in computers. If statements, then statements. Sometimes it's a since statement, then statement. So as you're programming, you put a number of different conditions, and if those conditions are met, then the computer says, now go to this operation. Go to this operation. We use if-then statements in our conversation, or since-then statements. I'll give you just a couple. So if I knew it was your birthday, I would have brought a cake, right? If I knew it was your birthday, I would have brought a cake. There's more. Since you don't want to fall down again, then be sure to use your walker, right? Since you don't want to fall down, then use your walker. Or if I knew you were still concerned about COVID, then I wouldn't have worn my mask, okay? These are if-then statements, and this is exactly what a therefore statement does. In fact, we could use an if-then statement or a since-then statement in the scripture today. So for example, we would say, if or since God resists the proud, then submit to God. Because God resists the proud, submit to God. Humble yourself in the sight of God. So let's talk about what it means to submit. And I don't not like doing this because I, 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 did, I did pretty well in Greek in, in seminary, but I've, I've forgotten more than I learned. And, and this word submit, however, is important. It's, it's hypotazo, hypotazo. And Strong says that it's written in the, it's in the New Testament 40 times. 40 times the word submit, hypotazo, is put in the New Testament. So it's got to be important. Now, it actually comes from a military term. It's a military term meaning fall in line, fall out, submit, okay? And if you're in the military, you have no choice. If they say submit, you submit. If you say fall in, you fall in, right? They say jump, you say how high, right? So you have to do what the military says. We're not in the military. This is voluntary for us, but it's just as important. In fact, it's even more important for us to listen to what James has to say to submit because it's a matter of the will, but we still need to fall in. Now, some of you might have been watching a, a new series uh, called The Chosen. Have you seen that, The Chosen? It's on Prime. It's difficult to watch on TV, but it's about the life of Christ, and it's got two different, two different episodes now. There's an episode, uh, a series, I'm sorry, season one and season two. Both have eight or nine different, different seasons, and I really wasn't much of a fan. I didn't know where it was. You have to kind of look for it on Prime, different places. You need a computer to be able to watch it. Um, so I, I really wasn't a fan until I found some people um, criticizing it. 
And, and I hate to tell you, but I'm still that little boy that my mom used to tell me not to do something. And whatever she told me not to do, that's what I wanted to do. So when I hear pastors criticizing a series about Jesus of Nazareth, I want to go see why they're criticizing it. And I haven't found anything. I've only been watching a few clips on it. But it's an interesting, it's an interesting series. You see, the Bible, it's all extra biblical, by the way. Extra biblical means it's, it, there are words added to it. It's not just the words of the scripture. They've added a few words. Like, for example, I was looking for a character to have us, help us understand what it means to truly submit to God. And we could have talked about the rich young ruler, but we mentioned that a few weeks ago. So instead, I decided, well, let's take a look at the tax collector, Levi, also known Matthew. He's the gospel writer. He's an apostle, right? He followed Jesus. But he was a tax collector, and that was a very difficult decision for him to do that. Probably difficult for Jesus as well to call him. So I looked, and sure enough, there was this amazing story in The Chosen about, about Matthew, about being called by Jesus. And it's, 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 it's just an interesting clip. Um, because he was a tax collector, he was, he was hated by, uh, uh, by, the, uh, the, by the Jews. He, was, uh, he had a signet ring, meaning that he was able to be a Roman official. Uh, but he was collecting uh, the taxes from, we don't even like the IRS today, right? But back then, they didn't even pay the IRS. You just collected as much as you possibly could and you exhorted high fees from the people that you taxed. So something went to Rome and something went to you. And the tax collectors were very wealthy, and the only people they hung out with each other was with each other because nobody else liked them at all. So I want to show you a few slides uh, from The Chosen and also uh, talk about these, these words in the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We're going to quote the Gospel of Mark on The Chosen. So this is Mark chapter 2, verses 14. It says this, um, as he passed by, this is Jesus, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now it happened as he was dining in Levi's house that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and the Pharisees saw him eating, that's Jesus, with tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, how is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So I actually have the video clip. I thought you'd like to see the video clip. Now in this clip, we'll see the Chosen's adaptation of this calling of Levi. Now Levi is also Matthew. As I show you this, Matthew is sitting in what looks like a jail. It's actually a tax collector's booth. Um, the iron gate will serve two purposes. It stops the booth from being robbed, but also stops the people that feel like they're being oppressed from choking him, okay? So the idea is that, and there's a Roman soldier that's there as well. So I think you'll find this, this video world, interesting. Matthew. Next. Besides, what else are you going to do with a mind like yours? Matthew. Matthew, son of Alphaeus. Yes. Follow me. 
Yes, you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing? You want me to join you? Keep moving, street preacher. Do you have any idea what this guy has done? Do you even know him? Yes. Listen, I said to... What are you doing? Where do you think you're going? Guys, let me go. Have you lost your mind? You have money. Quintus protects you. No Jew lives as good as you. You're gonna throw it all away. chose you either. But this is different. I'm not a tax collector. Get used to different. I'm glad we passed by your booth today, Matthew. Yes. Shall we? We have a celebration to prepare for. You will regret this, Matthew. What's the tablet for? I grabbed it without thinking. Can put it back? No, no, keep it. You may yet find use for it. Where are we going? A dinner party. I'm not welcome at dinner parties. Well, that's not going to be a problem tonight. You're the host. It's good, isn't it? Oh, wow. Very good. There, there are a couple of things in there that I didn't even see the very first time, but like he, he takes... He takes the key mm -hmm. and he locks the door, gives it to the Roman centurion. Do you see him take off his signet ring as well? Yes. I love that because that signet ring, I mean, that's been used for, I don't know, 60,000 years, something like that. So people have been using signet rings. And back in those days, it was, it was your identification. It was your identification. They would seal things. They would seal things. They put wax around a document and put your signet ring in it. That, they knew it was official, better than, a, better than a signature. Very powerful, isn't it? We know a lot about Matthew um, from the scriptures, but we don't know all of this. This is, this is artist liberties. But I, but I think they did a nice job. They did a nice job. Matthew was a tax collector working for the Romans. They were hated. They were despised. They were, they were outcasts. Because he was a tax collector, however, he was very, very wealthy. Um, he was able to host a great feast for Jesus and his disciples at the very last minute, invite his friends. Um, the only friends he had probably were tax collectors and sinners, other sinners. Um, he was especially hated by the Pharisees who looked down their noses upon typically everyone but even more so on tax collectors because they were typically Jews that had decided to work for, for Rome. Now, I love it. Jesus tells Peter, get used to different. <laughs> See that? Get used to different. Now, our message today is on submit. Remember when Matthew left that tax booth, he left it. He left behind his source of income. He decided to submit to following Jesus. He made a radical turn. It was 180 degrees. There was, there was no hesitation in what he was doing. He heard the call of Jesus to follow him, and he followed him. I love it. They, he had a little tablet that we would write on, and he said, should I leave it? And Jesus says, no, it might come in handy. Well, yeah, he wrote the Gospel of Matthew, right? I mean, so the tablet definitely came in handy. Matthew, like other apostles, would 
completely surrender. They would, oh, they would completely surrender to Jesus. Their, their life goals, their plans, and even their hopes in order to choose a different path, a path that Jesus had for them. There, there was no promise of the future following Jesus. All of them died a martyr's death with the exception of the Apostle John. In our verses today, James says, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Like I said, submission is surrender. James is being very direct. And surrender is a willing, conscious submission to the sovereignty of God. James is telling us that we need to clean our hands because we're sinners. We need to purify our hearts because we're double-minded. Now, when it says resist the devil here, it's not so much about temptation. It's talking about changing your masters, turning from Satan to God. And when you do that, Satan leaves. He's got no desire to mess with you anymore because now you're no longer his property. Now you belong to God. And God has sealed you with the, with the promise of the Holy Spirit. You submit yourself to God. The flip side is that you stand against the devil. James says, cleanse your hands. You know, in the Old Testament, in the Gospel, in the uh, Old Testament book of Numbers and Leviticus, it often talks about the priest having to cleanse their hands. Now, this was done not only to clean your hands, but often was symbolic. If you remember, Pontius Pilate cleansed his hands. He brought out a, waste, a, a bowl of water and he would symbolically wash his hands, saying, I'm not guilty of the blood of this man. Well, God probably has a different idea, but the idea was that he wanted to symbolize that he was cleansing his hand from some, some guilt. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 16, Isaiah says, Wash yourself, make yourselves clean, put away the evil of your doings. Close, close, uh, before my eyes, cease to do evil. Then he says this. This is the verse we know. This is, this is uh, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 17. He says, Come now, let us reason together. Saith the Lord, though your sins be like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. They shall be red like chrism. They shall be white as, as wool. So let's continue. James is still being direct. Remember, direct is good. I like direct. It provides clarity. It's precise. It avoids confusion. It's not diplomatic. James is giving us, by the way, life-saving advice. James says, lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. You know, Jesus was often direct as well. I mean, surprisingly, sometimes some of the harsh words of Jesus because Jesus is being direct. Jesus in Matthew 10, for example, says, whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus is being very direct. You know, when James uses words like lament and mourn and weep, he's actually, sounds like Jeremiah, uh, the weeping prophet. He's intentionally telling us the people to repent. And if people truly confront their sin, and I find this today, if that when people truly confront the goodness of God, that Jesus died on the cross for their sin and that their sin can be forgiven and they start understanding the gravity of their sinfulness, Often people will mourn and they'll weep. The Bible says to rend your heart rather than your garments, to be able to understand the gravity of what Jesus has before you. 
The faith that saves, by the way, requires humility. And this is key. We've been talking about pride, but the opposite, remember the antidote of pride was humility. That's what we said. We've been talking about pride for three weeks. Jesus, James wants us to understand that we need humility to be able to submit to God. Just as a soldier needs to submit to his, his officers, we voluntarily submit to one that is greater than us. God is God. We are not. God is God. So we submit to God. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. That's very direct. That'll make us mourn and weep. But the promise is found in 1 James, 1 John. Because in 1 John chapter 1, it says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I want to close up this lesson with James. Remember I said I was going to focus on the word therefore, right? We find out why it's therefore. Um, we find out that the pride and the wisdom that does not come from above, that sensual, earthly, and demonic, can be a part of us. And remember I said, even if we go to church, just like James knew that there were people in his audience that had, that had scattered with the rest of the church, but they still hadn't come to grips with their sin. They hadn't truly turned their heart from the devil and their own pride and submitted fully to God. I mentioned earlier that this was a call by James, not only to submission, but to salvation, As to a saving knowledge of truly understanding who Jesus is and having the humility to surrender and allow Jesus to be the Lord of your life. So in my closing therefores, I want you to take them seriously because they're all for us. We would say this. We would say, since we're full of pride, therefore, submit to God. Since we're lost and full of sin, that's Isaiah 5.36, therefore, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Since we too are like sheep without a shepherd, that's Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, Therefore, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Since we've all sinned against the Lord, that's Micah chapter 7, verse 9. Therefore, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Since the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, that's Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, chapter 17. Therefore, lament and mourn and weep. Since we're prone to love darkness rather than light. Jesus said that in John chapter 3. Therefore, let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Since, or therefore, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Amen? Amen. Very direct. Therefore, we found out what it was there for. Let's now pray. So, Father God, we want to thank you. And in many ways, Lord, this prayer is going to be a little bit different because I'm just praying, Lord, that those that are in the hearing of my voice, and sometimes that's not the audience I have right here, but we also have our podcasts, we have our videos as well. There are many people that, that watch us, and there are some that still need to come to grips with the sin that's in their life and be able to submit to God. You've been listening to Faith Dialogue with Pastor Ken Baer, recorded live at Celebrate Seniors, a ministry of Faith Dialogue. You can listen to or watch all of the recordings at Faith Dialogue by going to www.faithdialogue.org.